We are going to be reading from John chapter 2 today, one of the uh, famous miracles of Jesus. John chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone jars of, uh, for Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it, and when the steward tasted the water that had become wine and didn't know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn, drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine, after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. And Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Such a great story. Uh, I was thinking, as we were wrapping up this series about the table, we've been talking about everyday meals and, and opportunities to find sacred moments in this. Uh, we've, we've talked about making space, making room for people for a meal. Uh, where are you seating people? Uh, how do you invite people? Do you choose to feast or to famine? Who's doing the dishes? How are we paying for all this? And, and today, is, is that all? Is this all? And I was thinking, like, there's different ways people ask that question. Like, you might be having a night where you're, you're like, are we, is, this, is this it? Because I'm ready to go. <laughs> like... I'm ready to get on to the next thing because I'm not, I'm not really connecting here. Um, but sometimes you're, you're wondering, is this all because it's been so wonderful that you're hoping you can have this experience again of this conversation has been meaningful, this getting to know this person of like, I hope we can have another meal together. I hope we can get together again. When can we do this again? Because it's not enough for this to be it. I, I want more. Is this all there is? Uh, or could there be more? And so I was thinking about this story with Jesus, and there's this wedding feast going on. What a, it's a great kind of meal to have, right? It's celebration time. Everybody's excited. And there's this wedding in Cana, and, and Jesus' mother's there. And is that all? Is that all of the guests that are there? No. Jesus, maybe Jesus is, is Mary's plus one. I don't know. So the mother's there, okay, Jesus is also coming. But guess what, that's not all. We've got 11 more, 12 more. How, we don't even know if it's more than just the disciples. Like maybe his disciples are a bigger group, maybe it's a smaller group. But the party keeps growing, right? You're like, oh, I invited Mary, now I've invited Jesus, and I've invited all the disciples, and like there's a lot of people here. And that surprise of more and more people showing up to the party and the, the party size just keeps growing and growing, and that's exciting. But one thing that happens when the party size keeps growing is you run out of stuff. And so they didn't have all the reservations made. You know, maybe it's people coming unexpectedly. Maybe some people are enjoying themselves so much that they just keep drinking themselves through all of the supply, but the wine runs out. 
which is a, a real problem. Like, is there enough, right? And so the wine runs out, and I love that Jesus is there, and, and his mother just decides to turn to him and say, they have no wine. And we all know that parent interaction. It's like you've made a declarative sentence. You have not asked me of anything, but I know you are asking me to do something. What does that have to do with me? <laughs> like, that's great. Thanks for letting me know. What does that have to do with me, Mom? And we, we all can, I think, relate to this experience. And uh, I was thinking about the joy of this last week of, you know, we opened up our grand opening for our Cafe Connection. And, and one of the interesting things about restaurants is you never know who's going to show up. And so uh, we were blessed to have uh, over 50 meals served, and, and there was a lot of joy and excitement uh, but one of the things, you just don't know how much food to get. You don't know how much to prepare. And, and so um, uh, Logan did such an awesome job of, of vision and processes and getting volunteers. And one of the things he took on that day was, oh, no, we're, we're running out of salad. And we want to have enough. And so he goes zooming off to go get more salad. Uh, that's the practical resolution of, like, someone just going to get something. But Jesus doesn't take that route in the story because it's like, hey, go find the wine cellar. Go find some more wine, bring it in. Uh, and strangely, that is not Jesus' answer to this story. And so Jesus is like, fine, all right, I'll do it. And so the servants come. Mary says, just do whatever he asks you to do. And Jesus gives them some really peculiar instructions. All right, what do you want me to do about the wine shortage? Now, I'm, before we get into his explanation... Those servants showed up that day, probably with expectations. What am I going to do here today? I'm going to go serve some people. I'm going to get their food. I'm going to bring food out. I might bring them something to drink. I'm going to wait on people. And they might wonder, is that all I'm about today? And they're going to be invited into something more. They're going to have a unique experience. And so they show up, they think, all right, I've just got to do the chores that he's asked me to do. Okay, what do you want me to do, Jesus, to get some more wine? They are assuming probably something that makes sense, something that feels logical. And instead, Jesus tells them, um, fill those jars over there with water. And there's these purification jars. There's just six massive jars. You think about 20 to 30 gallons of water, that, like, that's a ton of water. And jars aren't necessarily lightweight. You fill jars with 20 or 30 gallons of water, like that's getting heavy. In that ancient world of like going like to a well or something of like, how am I supposed to fill this water thing to the brim? And when I fill it to the brim, it's gonna be spilling all over the place. Like this is a messy job. This is weird instructions. I'm trying to think of like, okay, if we ran out of salad and Logan said, hey, go make some plates and we're going to put paper on it, or we're going to put potatoes on it, or whatever. But just go, go take that out there. That'll be salad. What are you talking about? You're going to go take a plate of potatoes, and that's going to be a salad for someone? Like, this is, this is crazy. And like, fill that potato all over this plate. Fill it all up. <laughs> go take it to them. And these servants, we don't have any clue when this ever turns to wine. But they're in the midst of this kind of comical task like carrying all this stuff, like, you know, I heard we had a wine shortage, but like, do we need all of this? Like, this is extravagant. Like, isn't this enough? And it's overflowing, and they take it to the person who's supposed to taste 
and I can't imagine what their feelings are. They take it to that person, the chief steward, and the chief steward is startled because he has expectations. And what is good enough for a wedding is not what he's about to experience. Because what's good enough is you, you bring out the best stuff and eventually you bring out the worst stuff because in the case of wine, people won't care anymore. And so I was thinking about like, what is it of like this best versus the, uh, save the worst stuff for last. And maybe if you were a family and you've got kids and you wanted to go trick-or-treating on Halloween night, if you had something that delayed you and you were running late, you're like, we still want to get out there. The kids want candy. You show up to each house expecting the leftover candy. I don't know what the leftover candy would mean for you. I don't know if you're on the team candy corn or if it's the leftover candy. Think about whatever candy you really don't care for. You expect that to be in the basket that's left over. And that's what this chief steward is expecting. You're bringing out the worst wine, right? Like it's, it's time that we're just gonna get whatever needs to hold people over. And instead he tastes it and is startled because it wasn't all that he expected. And so the man tastes it and he immediately calls for them to go, uh, to go find the, uh, the people that had given him the wine. And he tells the, uh, the bridegroom of this wedding, which is not the person that helped make this wine, but the people who host the party. He goes and gets them and says, everyone serves the good wine first and the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk, but you have kept the good wine until now. You've got the good stuff. Something here is more than what is expected. Not only did you just keep up the level of expectations, you've exceeded it. It's more than enough. And I think that when we have those moments where our expectations are exceeded, where, hey, is this all? No, there's more. It, it startles us because we're so used to the way things always work. And so I was thinking about Wednesday night, there was a, a gentleman who walked past our church while the cafe was going on and just kind of peeked my head out and was like, hey, do you want to come have dinner? And he's like, no, no, I'm all right. Kept walking. So that's, that's fine. I was just glad to give an invite and went and kind of stood back in the lobby. And several minutes later, suddenly I see his face again. And he, he come back in and he was like, can I just look in there? And I know what he was imagining for what that dinner was supposed to be. Right? He's expecting the traditional soup kitchen. He's, tr he's expecting the traditional whatever you might provide to people that would come across as free. And that was a no. But can I, can I look in there? And we walk into the, the fellowship hall and we see all the tables set up and we see our servers dressed up and, and, and we see what's happening. And I'm explaining to him, of like, hey, you know, when we come in, the hosts, they give you a menu. You know, you're going to get waited on throughout the night. He's like, wait, there's a menu? Said, Can I see it? So we showed him the menu. He's like, you know, I can't be here today, but I'll be back. And you could just see, like, something in his demeanor had completely shifted just by seeing it. Because we don't expect to see above and beyond what normally is offered. We don't expect to see, uh, not only do we want to give you food, we want to serve you the best way possible. 
And we want to treat you like you matter, like you're a VIP, that you have dignity and, and you're worthy. And so this thing of like, no, I don't want any part of that. Maybe I need it, but I don't, I don't want that. And when you experience it, your eyes are changed, your, your experience is transformed, and, and you have a new imagination, and you can't help but, like be, but marvel at it. Like, what, what's going on? This is not how things are done. And there's a beauty that everywhere Jesus goes, people keep having those experiences. That people show up, they expect something, and that's not all that there is with Jesus. There's always something more. And so when the story concludes, there's this, this hope. And it, Jesus it said that was the first time he had shown his signs. It was the first time he revealed his glory. And something in this text that we kind of over, we jumped over at the beginning. Says, hey, hey, it's not my hour yet. And part of this story is that Jesus cared about this wedding and that this wedding was a place of value where he showed his glory, he revealed his power, and that even this wedding mattered. But it's not the only thing that mattered for him, that there was more, even more beyond just that moment. And so, you know, when he talks about his hour, eventually Jesus is going to be raised up. And the Gospel of John is kind of interesting the way that he words the crucifixion story. In John, it's this exaltation moment. It's meant to be a moment of shame, that Rome is trying to shame you, but it keeps saying, hey, my hour, when all see me, the sign says king of the Jews in all the languages, I'm going to be lifted up, raised up, elevated, celebrated, and that's my hour. Like I will eventually show my glory, my power, in much more powerful ways, much more visible ways to everybody. But it's not just ending there. Like the, the story of the Bible is, has this imagination to it, this hope that all people will eventually be gathered together and have a feast together, that all people of all times might be gathered under God's life and God's hope and eventually be seated at the table and enjoy the fruits of the field, enjoy uh, the good drink. And Jesus is inaugurating that. When we do our communion elements, we, we hint at the great feast that is to come. And so while Jesus is continually doing miracles in the Gospels and in these stories, there's a hope that there's an eventual, even better feast to come. When I think about all that we've lost, I know people have lost people dear to them, especially in, the, in recent months and recent years. The hope of our, our scriptures is not just that we might have life now, but that life might continue to grow and that abundant life might overflow and that you might have the feast of God with, with all who've gone before you, with all who come after you. And that this isn't all there is, but there's more. And in that hope, it's not just, just that longing for connection, but this longing for life together. And that's what I find so beautiful in this little story, is it's not just about them uh, having the food that they need on the table or whatever it is like, we want joy. We want life. We're going to make this, this party uh, fulfilling. It's going to be hopeful. And so God wants to invite us to a greater table with life and with joy that reunites us all. And I think about we've lost not just people. We've lost a lot, especially in this last couple years. 
you know, we've, we've obviously with the pandemic and th- shutdowns and maybe you just lost a vacation, maybe you lost getting to see a family member or a friend that you wanted to see, and it's not that they passed away, you just you couldn't make it to them. Um, maybe you lost a, a habit, a practice that you like to do that just got closed off. You know, churches have felt, um, I think the Barna study in 2020, which isn't even taking 2021 into account, that 22% of people who went to churches stopped going to church altogether, whether online or in person. And that's friends, that's family, those people that you miss. Um, it's been an, a tough season for the, for the world and for each of us. And so we might ask, like, is this all? But God has hope. God has life. And what is it to be the servants carrying the water jugs? Say, I don't understand any of this. But maybe God might transform it into something. And so we might not always know. We might not always understand. But what is it to, to just be invited into the work of God and to trust that maybe God might do something with it? And in this story, the people are uh, the wedding party. Like they get to just enjoy good wine. They don't know what's going on. The bridegroom doesn't understand how the wine got there. But the servants get a special awareness. Sometimes when we show up to do God's work, uh, we get to see God at work in new ways. And so if you've kind of been on the fence, like, ah, I don't know if I should go help out with this or that, and our expectations are set of like, oh, this is all that this is going to be about, sometimes just showing up to God will be the transformation you need to, to see things new, to feel things newly. And I think about um, the beauty of in this season I love that we have a lot of volunteer options every single week. We have a lot of ways that people can help and be a part of what God's doing here. And you might be like, well, I'm just, you know, if if I'm just washing dishes or, oh, you know, if I'm just saying hi to people, does that matter? You know, like, you might not think it's as valuable as it actually is. But when you show up and you do it, you might, just might, experience God at work. And I love that we've already gotten the opportunity to see that. Of Maybe sometimes a spouse invites you to go along with them. And you're like, well, I'm not that excited about it, but I'll go. Maybe a parent or a kid or, or you know, somebody else has brought you there. But then you experience it and you want to come back because it mattered. And you're like, hey, when do I get to do this again? And so we are all invited to be like those servants carrying some full water jars. It's heavy, it's hard work sometimes, but eventually we might see God's glory revealed. And the disciples do something very important in the story. They believe. And sometimes we take that for granted, but it's not easy to trust. It's not easy to believe. It wasn't easy for those servants to trust these these marching orders. But the disciples believe, and, and throughout the Gospel of John, every story is kind of like people have to respond to Jesus. Do I believe him or not? And for some of us, we struggle to believe that there can be more, that God's not done with us. And so my, my heart breaks with, with all who are in pain, who are all who are struggling, who, whether they say it out loud or not, believe that their best days are behind them, that there's not anything more for them, that whatever value they brought, whatever God was going to do with them, 
that's in the past. But every single person has the opportunity to do whatever God invites you to do this day. And just maybe you might see God's glory revealed in your life and in the lives of those around you with whatever time you have. Because my heart breaks for those people that, man, they've been living decades on this. My life's not what it was. It's not what I hoped it'd be. It'll never be what I want it to be. And, and that's just all there is to it. But God invites us to have more life than we expect, to live abundantly. And so God invites you to take part in God's work and to see that there's glory, that there's blessings, that there's hope here and now. And God does that communally too. Sometimes when, when groups of us get together, we either have some optimism, we have some pessimism, we have some hope or despair. And that God might do something with us. And you might not see it yet, you might not know it or feel it, but what is it to walk together and say, God's going to do something powerful here? And to have some hope. Have some hope that God reveals God's glory, how God will. And so that's the, uh, the invitation of this story. To see that, that God's not done, that God doesn't settle. God's not just giving us what's just enough. God always gives more. That there's more to the story, more to experience, more to, to be invited into. And so the, the dinner experience is a powerful one, one where people are brought together, where you eat food that gives you life, where you have conversation that lifts your spirits. But it doesn't just end there. Those relationships, that moment goes with you. And so we want to invite you to think about how your everyday lives, your everyday meals might be moments that give people an experience of something more, that gives their imagination more hope, where they think there's a possibility in front of them. And so I hope that if you are here today and you've struggled with hope and you've been in despair, that you might just rest in God's presence today. You might rest in God's hope. And uh, I hope be encouraged by those on your left and your right, those who are with us in person, those who are with us online, that there are those among us who believe, who trust that God's not done with us. Would you pray with me? Lord, for all who are empty, we ask that you might bring your filling presence and spirit, that when we feel without air, your spirit might fill us up with breath. Lord, when we are, feel dried out, that your living water might, might water us, might help us to grow into what you are growing us into being. Lord, for all who feel the pain of loss, Lord, we ask that you might help uh, not only your presence, but our presence be felt in their lives, that they might know that they're not alone. Lord, we ask that you would be with our, our trust, our belief. Sometimes we struggle, and we doubt, and not only doubt, but we expect things to fail. We expect things not to turn out. 
Lord, I ask that you might give us a spirit that is hopeful, a spirit that is willing, that a spirit that's trusting, that we can trust in you. It's in your most precious name that we pray. Amen.